I had to first be able to devote to myself and be able to really ensure that I was putting myself first. Because again, what you mentioned before is like, there's so many times that we do not think of it like that, um, particularly as women. Mm-hmm. Really, that kind of stemmed from, you know, this idea and this, you know, the self-development work that I did with like me not feeling like I'm enough. Um, and that really, that, that even further stemmed from like, even when I was, um, even when I was born, like I was adopted from Columbia, I was put into an orphanage and, um, and adopted to where like, I always felt like there was this inherent need of like not being enough for individuals. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to first believe that I was enough for myself and that I was enough to put actions and put thoughts and put feelings and all these things behind what I needed to do as an individual to make myself feel better. Welcome y bienvenidos to About Consent, the podcast that sparks conversations about creating consent culture, boundary repair, sexual empowerment, orgasm equality, and raising a new sexually conscious and consent-empowered generation. This is a safe, shame-free, judgment-free zone where both survivors and those who support survivors are welcome. I'm your host, Rosalia Rivera. This week, the rating spotlight of the week and review comes from Julie822. Julie822 gave a five-star rating and review that says, must listen to. As a Latina, a mother, a birth worker, this podcast embodies everything I stand for, a place to discuss healing of traumas and autonomy of self. Thank you for holding space for transformative conversations. Julie822, Thank you so much for this review. I couldn't agree with you more. These are transformative conversations. And as we have them, and as more of you listen and have the conversations in your own spaces, the more we create consent culture. And as a birth worker and a mother and a Latina, I am so excited to hear that this has resonated with you and that it has created those kinds of conversations in your world as well. So to everyone else who is listening, please keep the reviews coming in. I love to hear them. I love to read them. They give me life and they give me fuel to continue putting out this kind of content just for you. Now let's get back and dive into the show. Welcome to today's show. It's Rosalia Rivera back here with another episode. Today I am interviewing Kayla Nedza. But before I go into why I'm excited about the fact that she's my next guest is that the topic at hand, holistic nutrition, health-related, health and wellness-related topics may not seem like they are initially or immediately connected to our sexual health, sexual reclamation, boundaries, orgasm equality, all the things that I talk about here. But I want to point out that Healing, which is something that I do talk a lot about on this podcast, is very much connected to our physicality. It's not just our mental or even emotional wellness that we need to heal, but it is also our physical healing that needs to happen in conjunction, in unison with our mental and emotional healing. And why? Well, simply put, 
we are all connected. All three parts of us are one. And in order to have true holistic healing happen, in order for us to achieve that best version of ourselves, that amazing life that I truly believe we are all capable, regardless of the level or complexity of your trauma, it is very necessary for us to take care of ourselves in all the different areas of our existence, which include our body. And so one of the reasons that I wanted to have Kayla on today was because she brings that third component to the table and talks about how it is going to help connect all of the parts of your healing together. The reason that I bring up the other piece about the ability to have um, what is called complete mental wellness, it's there's been a recent study. The study was based on talking to survivors of specifically childhood sexual abuse and doing a study to see if it was really possible for them to achieve that complete mental wellness. And the study was very positive. It was actually um, very hopeful because it talked about how if you get the right support, if you do the pieces that you need to do to heal, that there is absolutely light at the end of the tunnel. And depending again on the complexity, the level of, of trauma, we need more support, you know? So for me, particularly, I have reached out to get mental wellness coaching and therapy to, you know, seek out how I can improve my physical health. And then in terms of even spiritual and emotional wellness, you know, this is why I do meditation. This is why I take time to learn and read about my different different ways that I can support my mental capacity, right? Things that I can also even eat to support that mental capacity. So it's about coming at it from a holistic perspective. And that's one of the things that I really like about Kayla's uh, approach is that she is uh, very much about the holistic. Kayla is a certified international health coach and holistic nutritionist who is dedicated to helping high-performing women create lasting calm with food, movement, and lifestyle through her company, Women Creating Calm. Drawing heavily from both her clients and personal experiences, as well as her studies, Kayla presents a practical and realistic approach to stress management and performance optimization. She hosts the Wellness Glow Up podcast, a weekly show devoted to helping women of color become their healthiest selves by providing the tools and knowledge to be their own health advocates. When she's not researching, coaching, and interviewing health professionals, you'll find her weightlifting, twerking around her kitchen, or watching Grey's Anatomy. I think you'll enjoy this episode, so stay tuned in. Here is my interview with Kayla Nedza. So Kayla, I am so excited that you're here. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm so excited to be on the show. I'm glad that we connected initially a while ago, but uh, I'm excited to chat. Yeah, because I was on your show, which was really fun. I loved the conversation there and uh, really glad that we were able to have you now uh, join and talk about a different angle of what we had discussed. Um, so for those who are new to you, I mean, I, I've introduced you formally in the podcast, um, but 
for those of you who are new to you, can you give us a little bit of a flavor of um, what made you decide to become a health coast, health coach and holistic nutritionist? Yeah. Well, I love how you start off with my own flavor. I like, I like that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> Feel that probably. Um, no, so I, ha I started to um, really dive into holistic nutrition when um, I had a host of health issues that I really couldn't pinpoint exactly uh, what was going on and what was and really how I kind of culminated to have these health issues. But uh, I was in the corporate space. I've been in the corporate space for about 10, 10 plus years at this point. And you know, really what I came to realize is that uh, health is so much more holistic and, and it's much more than exercise, diet, um, and all of like the things that we see in the larger mainstream media. And so I really dove into uh, holistic health to be able to kind of fix myself and understand what, uh, what things were going on with my health and really, you know, heal myself because really within the larger space, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me, talked like me, acted like me. And so mm -hmm. I really wanted to um, get to the point that I could be able to heal myself through different modalities. And, you know, something that I've always done, even as a kid is, you know, really kind of taking it on myself to be able to um, to do the things myself and so I really took that same mentality to kind of help myself um, and really you know get to a point where um, I could really fix my health issues and when I say health issues you know my hormones were completely imbalanced uh, I lost my period for about a year I had SIBO which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth I had parasites I had candida I had pretty much a host of, of health issues, but um, I really healed myself naturally. And so I got to the point where I wanted to really help other women, specifically within the, the corporate space and uh, really the, the high amounts of stress that we face within uh, the corporate space um, and how that kind of plays into our larger health and the issues that we continue to have and really ensure that uh, these high-performing women are performing at their highest capacity um, and really ensuring that they are putting their health first. So uh, that's really why I became a health coach. Cool. Yeah. And one thing you just said there that really always hits home for me is how women will put everybody else before their own needs. Mm -hmm. And particularly anyone who is sort of a type A, like, you know, driven, you know, specifically maybe working in the corporate space where it's a, such a demanding um, industry and it's a very male energy mm -hmm. industry. And I don't think that um, women realize like how that affects their, their stress levels. Right. And so, and you created a company called Women Creating Calm, which I love the name. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so Women Creating Calm is my company where, you know, my again, my goal is to impact and help as many, um, you know, high-performing women, whether that's, you know, within the corporate space, whether it's in the entrepreneurial space, um, really create a safe space for a lot of these high-performing women to uh, really kind of glow up their wellness and really get to a place that they can create lasting calm no matter what life things get thrown at them. And so it, it's kind of an all-encompassing community with um, an e-course that goes through my trademark uh, decompressed method um, and really thinking about all things that are holistic health and really also creating a community because at the end of the day, um, when I was going through my own health issues, I want to create a community. I want you know, to go through these things with other people because and really like share my experiences and kind of learn from other people. So, you know, my 
my company right now, Women Creating Calm, is really that community of people through an e-course, through a community, and then even my coaching um, mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, it's, it's something that's kind of like a, a passion project. It's something that I feel like it's my baby, but um, right. it's, it's definitely something that um, I've been feeling called to do for a while. Cool. I love it. I love it because, you know, stress management isn't something that a lot of women um, see as almost even necessary. It's like until they hit the wall, then they'll start to think about it. But one of the things, and, you know, we were just discussing this before the interview that I find, and, and here's the connection for listeners who are like, how does this relate to survivors or, you know, consent or sexuality and all those experiences is that for survivors specifically, uh, stress becomes the norm. It's Mm -hmm. just something that you learn to cope with and you don't even realize it until you have anxiety attacks or you have, you know, some kind of experience where you're really like at the bottom and you don't even know how to get back up, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so you, very much like you were saying, like you had all of these health issues And a lot of times we don't realize the way that stress is impacting our physical bodies and how that ends up leading to so many, you know, chronic illnesses or health issues that we don't associate with stress. We just think, oh, I wasn't eating right or I wasn't sleeping enough. And all of those things are actually putting stress on our bodies, right? So Mm -hmm. um, I love that this is about helping women find that this peace, like that calm, right? That's necessary. And when it comes to, um, you know, again, bringing it back for survivors is that what I believe is that unless we can start to bring ourselves back to almost like a homeostasis, which I just learned what this was, essentially it's like having your body come back to balance Mm -hmm. is so important for us to then be able to even consider dealing with the mental emotional things that we're dealing with in terms of stepping into healing journeys and things like that can you talk to me about what are some of the things and some of the ways that you help women to to come back to calm or create that calm that they need to be able to you know find that homeostasis that healthier place yeah, and I I think it's it's interesting because I've definitely seen patterns with the people that I work with, or even the people that um, that I see in general that kind of struggle with this. And I mean, the first thing that I I see for sure, and it's something that even again I struggled with initially as I was figuring out my health issues and you know trying to be a, a healthier and I say healthier in quotation marks a healthier version of myself is uh, I had to first be able to devote to myself and be able to really ensure that I was putting myself first because again what you mentioned before is like there's so many times that we do not think of it like that um, particularly as women. Mm-hmm. Really, that kind of stemmed from, you know, this idea and this, you know, the self-development work that I did with like me not feeling like I'm enough. Um, and that really, that, that even further stemmed from like, even when I was, um, even when I was born, like I was adopted from Columbia, I was put into an orphanage and, um, and adopted to where like, I always felt like there was this inherent need of like 
not being enough for individuals. And so I really had to first believe that I was enough for myself and that I was enough to put actions and put thoughts and put feelings and all these things behind what I needed to do as an individual to make myself feel better. So that's kind of the first piece that I always share. And that's kind of the hardest piece sometimes um, because it takes consistent practice. But mm-hmm. in terms of the the other pieces and, you know, kind of going from there is I always see that um, really kind of, I think that everybody generally knows what to eat in terms of like nutrition, but I think where people get tripped up is um, ensuring that they are eating correctly for their body type or correctly for themselves because you know you'll see you'll see so many people like battling in the nutrition space of like you know carnivore is best no veganism is best no vegetarian right. is best and, and I'm just like this is this is insane like yeah. there's so many different things that work for different people so um, what I also tell a lot of the people that I work with and even, this is also the same thing with like exercise everybody's like oh heavy lifting or like no yoga and there's there's just there's so much like mm-hmm. nonsense out there so what I tell all of the people that I work with is I say, okay, health in and of itself is going to be very fluid and it's going to take some time and some effort. So really start somewhere. And again, whether that's, you know, being, uh, eating more, more vegan based and, you know, doing more yoga, find out if that works for you, you know, do a test and trial of like two to three weeks. And if it doesn't work for you, your body will literally tell you, they'll Mm -hmm. be like, nah, nah, like we want some, you know, we want some beef or we want, um, some more like heavy intensity types of things. Your body will tell you that. And so really kind of listening to what your body needs and taking all that information and saying, okay, like here, are the things that resonate with me and here are the things that you know work best for me in this particular moment of your life for example if you're super stressed out and i mean like you know if you're in a in a space where you are um in a high pressure situation or um even you know just under mass amounts of stress from your personal life like at the end of the day yoga is probably gonna be best for you like low intensity like Pilates will be the best for you. And in terms of nutrition, you just want to make sure. And again, this can kind of vary. I've had people that, you know, can only eat veggies because it's easier on their their digestive systems. Or there's people that need a lot more protein and fat to be able to balance their hormones because when your cortisol is spiked, which is your stress hormone, um, really what helps to regulate it the majority of the time is like those fats so that it doesn't Mm. completely spike. So it really depends on the individual, but again, like understanding what works for you and then coming back to that every time that you're in those high stress situations. Um, Because again, I think that sometimes we uh, don't listen to our bodies and don't listen to what we need at any particular time, which again, goes back to the piece that I mentioned earlier of like devoting to yourself and saying, okay, here's what I need at this particular moment. This episode is brought to you by Consent Parenting, my online platform for survivor parents to learn how to keep their kids safe from abuse. Did you know that children of survivor parents have a five times higher chance of being abused because survivor parents don't know or learn the tools needed to prevent abuse? They tend to overprotect instead of empower and prepare. You can change the statistics by becoming an educated parent. Get started by downloading my free guide, Seven Ways to Teach Your Kids About Body Safety, Boundaries, and Consent by going to aboutconsent.com forward slash guide. The link will be in the show notes to get your free copy today. Now let's get back to the show. I find that we disconnect from listening to our bodies Mm -hmm. because of how we were raised or what we were told or what past experiences we had. And we learned to distrust 
what our body is trying to tell us. And, you know, there's so much wisdom that we can tap into. And I, I think that one of the points you just made um, that's really important is that there is no one size fits all for everybody. Like everybody has different body types and physical needs and hormonal levels and like things that they were born with, you know? So I think it's really important that they do, like you said, test it out, right? And see. So is that something that you work with um, with your clients in terms of how you coach them through something like get to know their health history and then work with them that way to figure out what's going to be the ideal approach for them? Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been doing the majority with the majority of my clients, and I think what what's helpful too, and what's um, and kind of the different, I guess, more holistic ways. Because again, like it's something where you can look at their health history and say, like, oh, okay, you have you know a history of this, or you've been doing things this way. But I've also been incorporating a lot more of like, I guess, not necessarily non traditional practices, but also thinking through like what um, what other practices are out there. So something I've been incorporating a lot is uh, more Ayurvedic uh, practices in terms of Ayurveda related to the doshas and how, you know, really within each dosha there's, and, you know, uh, Ayurveda in of itself is a very kind of ancient way of, of looking at health. And so um, really within Ayurveda, like we, there's a lot of practices if you're a, um, and the three doshas are Pitta, Kapha, and Vata. And so really looking at those three types and saying, okay, like, you know, if your body, so my body in particular is more Kapha based and, you know, the practices and principles behind Kapha is that um, I hold on to a lot of things. So I hold mm. on to weight, I hold on to water um, because, you know, my body type is a lot more um, grounded and earthy. And um, so I hold on to a lot of things and that can obviously can extrapolate to a lot of other things in terms of what I'm holding on to. Mm-hmm. But, um, but really like thinking through those things in terms of, you know, what, uh, what dose should you fall into and how can we really incorporate those practices and really it's something i've seen with again a lot of clients there they're not even thinking of it that way they're just, they're literally, literally just like oh i saw that like veganism is great or like keto is amazing and i lose a ton of weight on keto when mm-hmm. like, at the end of the day like for a kapha body type like me like those keto foods are too heavy and too dense for me to and my digestive system to process and so you know really as i work with clients i i kind of think of it in many different ways and in many different vantage points again, depending on their health history, but then also depending on like a bunch of other holistic practices like Ayurveda and things like that. Interesting. How do you determine what type you are? It's just a quiz. There's a quiz that, um, that I use. I don't remember. I think it's Banyan Botanicals. You just type in like Ayurveda quiz and it'll tell you and give you a breakdown of like what you are. I'll just ask you a bunch of questions. But what's mm-hmm. interesting, what's interesting is you could actually be like a, like your body could be a, a certain type of dosha, but then your mind could be a different type of dosha. So for example, mm. I have a kapha body. So essentially like I'm more grounded. Again, I hold on to things um, a lot easier. I have, you know, I'm a little bit curvier and, but my pitta or my mind is pitta in the sense that like, it's kind of, and when you think of pitta, you think of like fire, you think of like, you know, you know, go, go, go. And like the leaders and, and people like that. So I really have to ensure that like, I'm hitting both of those, mm-hmm. um, or really like thinking about both of those and working in tandem with both of those, because, um, again, there's so many different portions of my personality and portions of like how I present in the world. So, but yeah, it's just a quiz that, that I, that you can just go on to like, I think it's bot- Banyan Botanicals. Like I said, you the link. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. And I, I don't know very much about um, Ayurvedic, but it's it's an interesting perspective to look at because 
there is so much ancient wisdom that we just have neglected to look at for so long. And there are, there's so much that we can glean from it, right? There's so many ways that we can incorporate it into our daily lives to, uh, like I said before, like tap into that almost innate wisdom that we have. And it's, it's been out there for us to connect with. Right. So I love that you incorporate that. And I guess that that's where the, the holistic part of being a holistic nutritionist comes from. Is that where you've drawn that from? Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the term holistic nutritionist is something that I, it also confuses people because they're like, wait, like, what am I getting from you? And I'm like, well, <laughs> here's how, here's how we think about things in a different way. So um, really, I, I think being like a holistic nutritionist, there's a lot more and really like being in this specific role itself is there's so many like things and we're kind of in the same uh, capacity as like even my clients in terms of like they're seeing all of the information uh, that's in the larger mainstream but really as like a holistic nutritionist it's something where I have to take that and process it and see if it if I align with those values and align with you know what's being taught because um, you know I don't I want to make sure that like anything that I give my clients or people that I'm working with is something that I truly believe in and I've done the research on and making sure that I've even done it on myself so a lot of the time with holistic nutritionists you see that they're doing a lot of these things on themselves first and then saying, okay, like I've seen all the studies and the research and like these ancient principles, I tried it on myself and now I'm going to bring it to my clients versus like um, even like a nutritionist in general, like there's so many things that are that like I don't necessarily agree with in terms of like what nutrition looks like historically. So Hmm. um, so really I take, again, a more holistic approach in terms of like um, what we call like primary food versus secondary food. So primary food is like your sleep, your relationships, the toxins that you're putting in your body, um, all of those things. And then your secondary food is like literally the food that is going into your body and what that looks like. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I remember, well, you had mentioned, um, you know, you bring a different perspective or a different point of view from what we've been conditioned with and how we think about what wellness is. Can you expand on that? Cause I mean, you just touched on it there, but I would love to, to know what you mean by what we've been conditioned with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so within the larger health and wellness space, and, and I think that even if you Google like health and wellness just right now, like if you put it into the Google machine, you will find so many contradictory, uh, you know, there's so much contradictory information out there. And really I just, and I say, I'm, I guess, non-traditional in the sense that I'm not dogmatic in the sense that like, there's a lot of people that will, you know, put their, um, put their stake and claim into something that is like tried and true. And that this is always going to work. And I'm not like that. I'm more fluid in my approach in the sense that like, if there's something new that comes out, there's, if there's like new, um, new research or new ways of being of like, even for stress management in particular, like if there's new things that come out that, you know, are amazing and that are, um, you know, tried and true. And there's so much research on like, I'm absolutely going to try it out. And I'm, I could, I could incorporate it into my practice, but, when I say like I'm non-traditional, I say like I'm non-dogmatic. I will tra- test and try everything. Um, there's not one size fits all because again, I think that people will stake their claim in like one particular form of wellness and like run with it till the day that they die. Even though within the larger health and wellness space, there's a lot of like underlying people that um, they're not, they don't necessarily not 
believe in what they're saying, but they have a certain platform. And so they have to use that platform in a particular way and they can't really mm. stray, from, stray from it because mm. they've kind of pigeonholed themselves. And that's kind of my goal is like, I'm not pigeonholing myself. Again, I'm, I'm more fluid in the sense that I could be, you know, there's so many things that could be coming that are new into the space. And so I'm absolutely going to be open and, you know, incorporating those and thinking of things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Well, I can, I, I agree with that in as well in the sense of um, the way that we used to look at healing. Like when I, you know, if, bringing it back to like survivors again, is that a lot for a long time, people thought that the only way that you could heal from trauma was by going to therapy. But mm-hmm. we know that there are so many other ways. I mean, healing our bodies is a form of healing, even from trauma, because it's, you know, the trauma could be connected, so rooted in our nervous system. And so it's really difficult for us to, like, even, like you said before, you know, you have all of these other sort of mindset pieces before you can even get to figuring out how to heal your body. And then once you heal your body, then you can actually dig into the trauma that you experienced. And so there's lots of layers that have, you know, you can heal from different ways in different layers of that trauma. So I think it's, I agree with you. There has to be um, a perspective of being, being open and not having just this like one dogmatic, like uh, conviction, right. Of, Mm-hmm. This is how it is. This is the only thing that is going to work. And this is what you need to try because again, like not everybody is going to, uh, it's not going to work for everybody. And also that might not be really what that person needs at that moment. Right. So a mm-hmm. lot of times it could be where you are in your healing journey. Right. And I think what's also interesting and what I, I really preach all the time is that um, really all the research within the larger health and wellness space, the majority of the studies and the majority of the information is coming from tests and studies on men. Mm. And, and so what we need to be careful of is when we see these studies of like, you know, certain, you know, dietary theories or certain like exercise routines are great for, for, you know, a larger population those studies are usually done on men and usually white men. And so we really need to like be a lot more critical with a lot of the the things that we're seeing because the majority of, of these things are done on white men. And so they leave a lot, a lot, a lot of different um, nuances off the table when you look at this type of stuff. So. Right. Do you work mostly with women or both genders? I work with women. All genders, I should say. Yeah, I I work mostly with women or people who identify as women. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And I think that that's also important when you are looking for a health coach or um, a nutritionist is that they really understand your body type, right? So I think for women, it's, it's a whole other, I mean, we have different hormonal cycles than men and how that, you know, helps us process our food and like even what kind of food we're going to eat at a certain time of the month, um, you know, based on where we're at in our cycle. Right. So I think it's, it's really important. That's another piece. Um, I mean, I think in terms of, uh, where you are, this is something that I've been starting to learn more and more about is in terms of even where you are in your cycle, sometimes, um, healing it, like you can go see a therapist at the wrong time of your cycle and it, can really be that much more um, 
powerful or the opposite. Like it could be too triggering and too much, you know, depending on, on where you are. And I think even learning about that is fascinating to me. Do you incorporate any, um, any of those kinds of, cause I know you mentioned hormones before. Um, do you work with, with that at all in your practice? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's something that in terms of hormones, again, a lot of women in particular don't, and even like myself, when I first started getting into like the, um, like the holistic space is like even understanding my hormones and at the basic level, how they work. Because like literally what I was told in high school was don't have sex and you're going to get pregnant. So Mm -hmm. I didn't even learn about like the, like the follicular phase, the luteal phase, or like what that is in any capacity. Um, to, To where like when I first learned it, I was like, wait, what? But it started to make but it started to make sense to me. I'm like, oh, okay. But essentially when we're talking about like the different phases in terms of like menstruation and things like that is you have like your follicular phase and you have your luteal phase. So your follicular phase is when you are essentially like menstruating and then your luteal phase is kind of when you're ovulating and there's different and your hormones will, will spike at a certain time, usually again around ovulation. Um, and really when people think about how they're working or even thinking about like how they're doing things or even how they're communicating, um, it's very important because you're going to feel different in certain capacities, depending on like what phase that you're in, like your FSH level will be at a certain point at a certain time. Um, and your progesterone will spike at a certain time, um, usually during ov- ovulation. So really when we're talking about the nuances with women is like, there's so many things that are happening within our body that we mm-hmm. need to be more in tune with because we just have so much more going on. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's true. Exactly. And so it's interesting because again, like kind of bringing that component in, there's a lot of women that like, they've never heard of this or they only hear about it when they're trying to get pregnant. And when they're trying to get pregnant, there are so many things that you could be doing prior to getting pregnant that, you know, you kind of learn about and understand. But I definitely bring that into into my practice because I think that hormones in general are something that um, are kind of a little bit of a mystery. Um, it was especially a mystery for me, for sure. Yeah, I, it's, it was, I mean, I'm 41 now and I just started learning about this stuff like a few years ago, like not even a few, like maybe three years ago <laughs> after I actually had kids. Um, and it was funny because my husband was tracking my cycle better than I was. So <laughs> when we were trying to have kids, it's like, um, so it was kind of a wake up call and it's true. I don't know if it's uh, cultural or if it's, um, just because there was lack of information when I was growing up. I don't know what it is, but uh, there's just a lot more information accessible now. And I love that you're using that as well in your practice because it's so, it does drive so much of our, um, just even our, our mental capacity. Like, you know, there's, I know for me, I'm much more inward um, at certain times. And, you know, like there's the whole joke of like the PMS, oh no, she's PMSing, like stay away. Right. But Mm -hmm. it's really actually about wanting to just be drawn inward and protecting your energy kind of feel. And Mm -hmm. women don't, you know, because we've been programmed to think that we're crazy at that time of the month, we don't actually use that time to be more introspective and 
protect our energy um, in a way that's a little bit more sacred, right? So I mm -hmm. think that all of that is super important. And I love that you incorporate that into what you talk about and what you, have, you, know, what you teach. And it makes sense when you think about, you know, women creating calm, right? So that makes complete sense. Right. So in terms of um, your own experiences with, you know, consent and sexuality, what is your perspective um, in, in terms of boundaries? Because I know that's something that you talked about um, in, in one of your episodes on your own show. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about your perspective on consent, sexuality, sexual empowerment, boundaries, any of the above? Yeah, so I think boundaries in particular is something that I have struggled with for a long time. And I think it's something because when we talk about boundaries, we talk about the initial setting of the boundaries themselves, which are somewhat difficult, but then the harder part is like maintaining those boundaries and, you know, putting a line in the sand and saying like, this is my boundary, take it or leave it type of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, boundaries are for ourselves. They're not for other people. <laughs> so exactly, that's something that I've definitely struggled with. And, you know, even something in terms of, you know, sexual empowerment, it was something that continued to, to show up in my, in my life and in particularly within my relationships with, um, in my romantic relationships and, you know, I really didn't understand for the longest time what my boundaries were and like what my, you know, absolute yeses are or my absolute noes. And so really I would say like, oh, you know, you're crossing my boundary when I didn't even know what that boundary was. And mm. I, I couldn't even articulate or even um, be able to think like, all right, well, what's my boundary until, you know, there was a situation and, you know, we talked about it in our episode, but um, I'll share it again. But in one of my uh, in one of my corporate jobs, I was um, kind of the marketing marketing lead of the area, and we had um, about ten area managers that I worked with, and we kind of considered ourselves family, and we considered ourselves you know very close. And um, there was a situation where five of the area managers had a separate group text from the larger leadership in the area's group text, and what I had found out is that um, they were you know texting on this separate group thread about me and essentially, you know, really saying some really ridiculous things. Like, for example, uh, we would take pictures uh, within like some of the retail stores that we covered our, themselves and we just pick like post like really funny pictures. And so I would always just stick, stick my tongue out in some of these pictures. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know where I learned, I don't know where I learned that, but I just started doing it. So I, I did that in one of the pictures. Um, and they, and I remember I was with one of the area managers in that separate group thread and um, I had saw his phone as he would put it on the windowsill or put it on, um, on uh, the rear view mirror or close to the rear view mirror to, to kind of direct us where we were going. And I saw a text come up from another one of the area managers that said, because my tongue was out, they said, who got next? And, mm. and so I said, okay, this is not the first time that this, ha this has happened. And so I asked him and I, I, you know, try to play it off very cool because I wanted information. And so I played it off very cool. And I was like, hey, you know, let me just see the group thread. Like, what do you guys talk about? Like, let me, like, what's going on? And so he let me see it after a little bit of convincing. And so I saw maybe like months worth of uh, these same conversations with other women in the lead on the leadership team in our wow. area. And even like, again, even like grosser things than the example I just gave. And mm. again, like I was, like, it was probably me and then another woman that was kind of getting the brunt of it. And I had realized that they had said some things to me before, but I kind of like brushed it off. But that was really kind of the, the, the 
you know, culmination of, okay, like, I know that I need to be able to set boundaries and be able to articulate those boundaries. And now I'm very clear on like, this is not correct. Like this is not mm-hmm. right. And this does not feel right. And so I, you know, reported to HR and, and a lot of the area managers, well, a couple of the area managers got fired. One left because they, he was going to be under investigation. So it was something to where when we're thinking about like sexual power and sexual um, being able to be, you know, open and, and set clear and, and firm boundaries, that was something that I needed to learn very quickly because mm-hmm. I didn't exactly know. I mean, I don't think they teach you at school, like, Hey, here are your boundaries. Um, they, and in terms of like, it's either kind of black or white in terms of like, again, don't get pregnant. Don't let anybody touch you. Um, right. And, and I didn't know what those boundaries were. And so I slowly started to, you know, really work through, okay, what are my boundaries? Like, what makes me feel good? Like at the end of the day, what I realized is that my boundaries were really set up for me in terms of how I want to feel around particular people, whether that's, you know, I want to feel safe. I want to feel heard. I want to feel loved. Um, Those were kind of my boundaries. And so I really, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier is I really had to become more in tune with my body and what I was feeling in any particular moment, because if I wasn't in tune with my body, like my boundaries would be completely wishy-washy. So Mm that's really how I started to think about boundaries and even like being able to be sexually empowered to go into situations to say, okay, I feel supported or safe and loved in this particular situation. And so I can kind of let my guard down and okay, like we're good. So that's kind of how I thought about it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's unfortunate that, I mean, thank you for sharing. And it's an unfortunate experience because ultimately it's harassment um, that isn't that, how can I explain it? Like it's under the table harassment in a sense, like mm-hmm. your, uh, your boundaries are being crossed without you even understanding that that was even happening. It's such an insidious way. Right. So um, I'm glad that you were able to like vocalize it and take the steps necessary to, to end it and to set those boundaries. So first of all, kudos to you for that. Um, but it's, yeah, you're right. I think that, it's not something that gets learned at home if it's not taught consistently, which is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about parents teaching it. But, you know, as we get older and we go off into the world, like we're learning how to set those if we've, if we've never been taught, right? And where do you start? And a lot of times it has to start with boundaries with yourself, you know, um, in terms of even like your health boundaries, right? Like I'm not going to drink uh two glasses of wine at night anymore because it doesn't make me feel good the next day and you know like it's it's almost like you have to sometimes start with yourself um to be able to know what that feels like and be able to even start setting that with other people sometimes um so i think that it's important to to start somewhere and is it something that you talk to your clients about in terms of setting um, health boundaries with themselves? Is that even like part of the conversation? Oh, that's, that's a main part of the conversation that okay. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely comes up because, and really like with the women that I work with, they kind of their biggest struggle is setting boundaries. And, and like a big example that I see with a lot of my clients and obviously because they're high performing women in the space is they have struggle. They struggle with physical and emotional boundaries in terms of, in terms of physical space and what that means in terms of like working in an office or working with coworkers. But then the biggest, biggest thing I see in, t- in terms of like emotional boundaries, and even I kind of 
skew it with like digital boundaries is like email and being constantly in contact with people mm. and like and like if they are you know if they have even if a family like they are available 24 7 and I'm like that's not gonna work like yeah like you need to be able to set boundaries to be able to say like I'm available between this time and this time you can contact me in those particular times and um and you know that's that because really like and I, that's kind of actually the first question I usually ask. Because I said, what times are you available to work? And they say, oh, I'm available from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I said, well, that's going to, you know, I firmly believe on how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so if you're not setting those boundaries of what you need, especially if you have, you know, all these other things going on in your life, how are you going to set boundaries in terms of like, what you're putting in your body in terms of nutrition, of how you're exercising, you know, in terms of, you know, all these other things, because, there's so many nuances to boundaries, but if you can't, you know, really get this one thing right and you're not setting boundaries for yourself in that particular moment, that becomes a problem. And so really like a lot of it is, is boundary work and a lot of it is really um, boundary work surrounding, not necessarily setting the boundary, but like maintaining those and not wavering in any capacity. Mm, right, right. Once you have set it to actually uphold it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. That's great. I love that you incorporate that and that because, and I think that that's one of the beautiful things about having a coach. Like I have coaches for different aspects of my life. Uh, It's just something that I've come to terms with that I need help with because I have a hard time with boundaries for myself at times. Um, Mm -hmm. And and coaches will help you remind you like, Hey, you know, you're crossing your own boundary there. Like, is that really what you want to do? You know? Um, so that's great. I love that you do that. That's amazing. Well, is there, so as we're wrapping up our, our call here, is there anything that you want to leave the audience with in terms of advice for any of these areas, whether it's, um, sexual empowerment, uh, orgasm equality or boundary repair? I would say that the main thing that I make sure to tell everybody, whether you know they're my clients, whether it's people in my life, whether it's somebody that's walking down the street and you know I'm having a random conversation with them, is I always ensure, especially with women in particular, um, I always say make sure that you're giving yourself grace because there's so many times that we are you know, we have so much pressure surmounting on us and so much that we want to accomplish and so many things that, you know, we have going on on a daily basis that you are probably doing better than you think that you are or giving yourself credit for. And so I really want you, if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, to give yourself grace and to think about, you know, the one small win that you've gotten today or this week, because that's at the end of the day, that's enough and that you are doing better than what you think that you're doing. I love it. Love it. That's awesome. And how can people find you if they would like to learn more about you, connect with you, listen to your podcast? Yeah. So you can find me on the gram at Kayla Nedza and, uh, and my podcast handle is the Wellness Globe Podcast. And then you can also uh, find me on my website, kaylanedza.com. And then you can listen to the Wellness Globe Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Perfect. Perfect. And your handle on Instagram is wellness glow up podcast, right? Not the wellness. 
See, you know my podcast better than I do. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure people find you um, on the gram because you have great content there too. And I love watching your stories. So uh, I just want to make sure that they find you. So yeah. Okay, perfect. So it's wellness glow up <laughs> podcast um, and you can find her there and on her website and on all the major um, podcast uh, platforms. So be sure to check her out. So Kayla, thank you so much for joining me today. And I wish you continued success and all that you're doing for all of the women who work with you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me on the show. And again, like I said, on, on my show, you know, I'm, um, I'm definitely, you know, rooting for you and you're doing amazing work within the space. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we'll see everyone next time. Don't miss the next episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And I would be so grateful if you took one minute to post a five-star rating and reviews on iTunes so that others can also find this information. I will be shouting you out and thanking you on the next episode. If you found this useful, be sure to share it with others as well. Let's continue to create consent culture one conversation at a time. Stay empowered.